Hello and welcome to In the Days of Noor with me, Noor, where we talk about Islamic-related topics and social issues. So, inshallah ta'ala, today I want to touch on two topics, but the podcast will be pretty brief. So, first I want to talk about, inshallah ta'ala, Ramadan is coming up. So, when you hear this, it'll probably be Monday. Monday, it'll be Wednesday when we put out the podcast. And so, inshallah ta'ala, by, I think, Friday or Saturday, then Ramadan will begin. And, you know, as Muslims, Ramadan is always an exciting time for us, whether you do a lot of activities for your family, or whether you just do more worship, or you focus more on trying to do more good deeds. It's just, alhamdulillah, it's a, it's a blessed time for us as Muslims. We know that this is the time where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he increases his forgiveness of our good deeds. This is a time where the Prophet would increase his good deeds. This is a time of trying to be kinder and trying to not be angry and also an exercise in controlling our nafs, right? When you can't eat for 16 hours, then you can't fulfill every desire of whatever your nafs wants. You know, you have to pause and say, okay, I'm fasting. And I think it teaches us a lot about ourselves. Um, It's so interesting because if you have any sort of issues with food, whether overeating or just unhealthy habits or whatever it is, constantly snacking, that sort of thing, then you know that at least for one month in the year, you don't do that, right? So you prove to yourself that you can have control over your food. But of course, it becomes a matter of willpower outside of Ramadan. So there's so much opportunity, and I'm sure that we're all thinking, okay, what do I want to do this Ramadan? How would I like to come out of this Ramadan? What do I want to improve on this Ramadan? And so I would like to suggest, and this can be in combination with other things, of course, But I would like to suggest to myself and to all of you listening, inshallah, that we focus on perfecting or refining or making something that we do better, more perfect, more excellent. And you can focus on many areas, but I think even focusing on one area would be a value. So if you say this Ramadan, I'm going to focus on focusing on my Salah, perfecting my Salah. So whether perfecting your stillness in Salah, perfecting your remembrance in Salah, perfecting your ability to concentrate in Salah. Every single deed that we do as Muslims, of course, there are ways we can increase it. We can say, you know, I'm going to pray Tarawih. I'm going to do all the sunnah prayers in Ramadan, and that's good as well. But we can also take what we're already doing and say, how can I make this better, right? How can I make my salon more focused? How can I make it even increase the way in which it brings me near to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? So whatever it is, let's say, um, what else can in kindness, right? So if you're in... A rela- if you're married or whatever relationship that you have, whether your parents or your siblings or your friends, it's everyone has some kind of relationship, right, with 
we're born into families. So you can focus on, well, how can I be kinder? What are the ways that I can be kinder? What are the ways that I can be less angry? What are the ways that I can be more giving? What are the ways I can be less stingy? So I, I think that as much as we want to focus on deeds during Ramadan, which is valuable, it's also valuable that we can focus on character, that we can focus on the quality of what we are doing. So in the, if we were to say, okay, I'm going to focus on my character this Ramadan, then how can I be less envious of people? How can I be less jealous? How can I be more grateful? How can I um, decrease the amount of haram content that passes my eyes? How can I, you know, I think it, you get creative, right? And you start to really think about your own life and the ways in which you would come out of Ramadan better. And it's not always, or it's not only rather, about doing more things. That's one pathway, and I'm not knocking that, but another pathway is refining the things that you're already doing, especially since for most, if not all of us, right, then there's there are things that we can do and that we can be doing better. Um, Salah is such a big one, right? So many times when we enter Salah, then there's so many things going through our mind, and before we know it, we're done praying, and we haven't really gotten the sweetness of Salah. So if we can say, I'm going to make sure that for one rakat, two rakat, three rakat, whatever would be an improvement for you, I'm going to absolutely 100% focus on what I am doing. Focus on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Focus on the words that I am reciting. That could also be something else that the stories that you usually recite in Salah, read them over in English. If, if you don't have full comprehension in Arabic, read them over in English so that you make sure you understand exactly what you're saying. Maybe even, I know that Seeker's Guidance had this class. I don't know if they still do, but they had a class on the meaning of Fatiha. Maybe taking something like a Tafsir class on the meaning of Fatiha or some of the other common short surahs so that we can deepen our engagement in Salah, right? When we're eating, this is another area we can look at having more gratitude for what we're eating, appreciating it more, eating more slowly, being in the moment, thanking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for everything it took, right, to get this food on our table. Um, may Allah forgive us for, for how often we're neglectful of that. I heard a saying, I don't, I like in my head, I associate it with Imam al-Ghazali, but I'm not completely sure, and I don't have the exact quote, but the essential meaning or paraphrasing of it when you eat, you should eat like a pauper, like someone who is impoverished and not like a king or a food critic. So, you know, a lot of the times when we eat, <laughs> and I think probably most of us in the West are certainly guilty of this, um, but maybe this is a human thing. Most of the time when you eat, what are you doing? You're judging the food on whether it's good, you like it, you don't like it, how good is it? How does it compare to the other thing that you had or what you expected it to taste like? Instead of saying, you know, subhanAllah, I have food. And thinking of, well, first to stick to that point, 
We know that there are some people, whether here in America, in the West, or especially even more in third world countries, in, in impoverished countries, we're getting a male that's not a small feat, especially a full meal like most of us as Americans eat, right? There are many places where they eat just once a day. There are many places where people are starving and a meal is not guaranteed every day. Whereas we, as often in the West, not all of us, but often, we not only have three meals a day or three meals a day and snacks, but we also have a ton of choice, right? We can have pizza today, we can have a burger tomorrow, we can make noodles the next day, we can, you know, etc. We have so much choice, but unfortunately, that amount of choice can sometimes lead us to be less appreciative. And I, again, I think that a lot of us are guilty of this, that you eat something, you drink something, the first thing you think is, uh, this is not great, or oh, this tastes really good, or oh, you know, this isn't as good as the last time I had it. So we we are often deal with food like we're food critics <laughs> or we're kings and we expect the best, you know, and if we don't have the best, then we complain, even if it's a second-handed complaint or backhanded complaint or something, um, or we say it's not as good as, but let's try a possible area that we can try to improve in is that when we eat, we say, Alhamdulillah for this food, and really mean it and not follow it with complaint or comparison, but just Alhamdulillah for this food. And I, I, I wanted to make the point as well of all of the effort it takes for us to have the food that we have, especially in the West, um, but anywhere and in anything that you're eating. What does it take to create rice? You know, I don't know the whole process, but I, something grows from the crown and somehow it's processed and it's bagged and it's shipped to the supermarket and then you buy it and then you make it and you went through this process of making but then you also have to think well so we have to, we should be grateful for all of that but also gratitude for knowing how to cook right for that that um knowledge to be passed down to us what if you had rice but you had no idea what to do with it before the internet right <laughs> um then that would be a problem so having gratitude for um everything that we eat and everything that was involved in bringing it to our plate inshallah ta'ala and it's a lot easier to do that in ramadan because after not eating for it'll depend where you are for how long it is but let's say 16 hours, then you begin to appreciate food a lot more because it's not as available to you simply because you are obeying Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and you are allowing yourself to be an obedient servant and say, I'm not going to eat for this period because that's what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants. And so you can appreciate then when you are able to eat, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allows us to eat. So that's just some ideas we can all be creative and think about within our own lives what can we what can we refine and perfect. So I just want to move on to my the most recent blog post on my blog by the com. So this is my last social commentary post before Ramadan inshallah ta'ala. 
In Ramadan, I'll probably focus on either on Ramadan itself or just on more, um, can I say, sort of uplifting posts, posts that you can read and be encouraged by. I'm not sure though. I'm not sure if I want to do Ramadan, excuse me, Ramadan reflections or if I want to focus on like the Sahaba or different stories that um, are aspirational. So inshallah, of course, I'll have to figure that out by Monday. Um, But the last post that we wrote is called Can Feminism Solve Our Problems? So if you've been following me for a while, then you know that I've critiqued feminism quite a few times. And that is mostly because I am very interested in women's issues and gender issues. And it's really hard to study either one and not come across feminism. I think feminism has done a lot of the work in this area. So not that I'm always opposed to them, but I am sometimes opposed. And I think the critique is also necessary even to move the movement forward. And it's difficult for me because I think that on some fundamental levels, then feminism is problematic. But if we say that it is malleable in any way, then it's important that there is critique happening inside the movement, outside of the movement, so that it can better service women's issues if that is indeed what it wants to do. Um, So in the article, I touched on the fact that feminism has painted itself as a woman's movement, but the reality is that they have always represented a small segment of the population, a small segment of women. So if you look at some of the issues that feminism focuses on in our time especially, but even in the 70s, it was focusing on some of these issues as well. So you have, um, just skipping down here on the article. So for example, there's a lot of focus on abortion, right? Abortion as a woman's right. There's a lot of focus on women in leadership roles. There's even focus on trans women being women and being a part of the feminist movement. And these are very polarizing issues. This And this is the interesting thing. Another article, I'm surprised I haven't written on, but maybe I will in the future. But it was a really good article about abortion is not a woman's right or abortion isn't necessarily a woman's rights issue as much as it is a religious versus non-religious issue or moral issue rather because when they looked at the data the women who essentially women were just as likely to be pro-life as they were to be pro-choice and men were just as likely to be pro-life as they were to be pro-choice. But when you looked at people who were religious versus people who were not religious, then you saw that's where the split was. People who were religious were more pro-life. People who were less religious or not religious 
or non-believers they and non-believers in this context i mean just don't believe in any religion they were far more likely to believe in pro-choice so this is a very important point to point out because a lot of women can sometimes even in the muslim community feel pressured to support the um pro-choice movement and their rhetoric because it's painted in a way that to support it is to support women's rights. But the reality is that the lens through which you look at this issue is not primarily gender, but morality. And it's an interesting thing because when you think about it, it makes sense, but the rhetoric is so different from that that you would more so think, no, it's women who are pro-choice and men who are pro-life. And it, it just couldn't be further from the truth, honestly. Um, so I, I think that is an, it's an interesting point. And I brought it up in this article because a woman's... I think that any movement that wants to be a women's rights movement or women's interests movement and wants to be a proponent for, for women and, and all of the things that matter to them, wouldn't focus on issues that are so polarizing among women, right? This is not pro-choice, is not a common platform or common shared interest among women. It is split by morality. If you're Muslim, if you're Jewish, if you're Christian, you are a lot more likely to be pro-life. If you are an atheist or just not religious, you are a lot more likely to be pro-choice. That is the split. So why make such a polarizing issue the focus of a woman's rights uh, movement? That I, I find that very problematic. And feminism, I think that the problem or, or the, the difficulty in trying to just sort of surpass feminism or bypass rather and say, you know, well, we'll focus on women's rights, but we just won't be feminist is that feminism has done so much of the work in, in Western society. And by the work, I mean looking into different issues that affect women, doing the research, doing the theory, doing the thinking about these issues. So you can't simply bypass it, which is why my approach is more so to engage it and to try and critique it in a way that I hope, of course, my blog, I assume, is mostly read by Muslims. So to critique it in a way that Muslims, but especially Muslim women who may lean more towards the left, can understand, can comprehend, and possibly accept. I think that a blanket, any sort of blanket, you know, oh, you can't be Muslim and, and be feminist, is not going to suffice. It has to be, okay, here are some of the issues that I see with feminism, whether that's coming from a purely religious critique, whether that's coming from a social critique, whether that's coming from the critique of someone who cares about women's issues and doesn't feel that feminism is addressing these issues sufficiently. I think that's a more valuable approach, approach if you care about this issue and care about at all shaping just some of the commentary and conversation 
around these issues. So inshallah ta'ala, if you want to check that article out, it is Can Feminism Solve Our Problems? It's the most recent article or blog post on the blog. So thank you for listening. As we said, we're going to keep this one short. Inshallah ta'ala, I pray you all have a blessed Ramadan. And hopefully I'll be putting out some podcasts during Ramadan. I do want to shout out my sister. She has a new podcast. I think it's called Planned Baraka. I believe it's called Planned Baraka. And she had a really great episode called Love in the Time of Corona. Talking about loving Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, loving our families and tying it into the five love languages so i'd highly suggest you check it out i'll try to put it in the description and don't forget that if you want to support our work then please head over to patreon.com slash night where you can support our work and you'll also get exclusive content as well as just getting some of our content first before anyone else and we will talk to you next time take care